The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to another Tech Check Plus live stream. Uh, Jan, good morning. Jan Vanek, of course, the CEO of Vanek, many ETFs, which our audience will know. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you, Deirdre. Let's, let's start. Let's dive right into it. Um, for our audience, why don't you explain the difference? We've been talking about it a lot on air between a Bitcoin's future ETF and a spot ETF. Sure. Yes, we, um, we sponsor a Bitcoin futures ETF, which um, basically it's what it implies. The ETF invests in Bitcoin futures. And uh, what investors need to know is that uh, the shape of the futures curves will then affect their returns. Now, in flat or down markets, Bitcoin investors don't really need to, to care about that. But in strong upward markets, the uh, futures curve has traded a contango, which basically means you're getting punished for investing in Bitcoin futures rather than Bitcoin spot. Right. And I know it took some time to even get a futures ETF approved. And now we're sort of seeing the same process for a spot ETF. I think there's been six and now Grayscale's uh, proposed spot ETF is being looked at. Why is this so difficult? Why is the SEC willing to approve a futures a Bitcoin ETF instead of a spot one? Well, uh, it's really because the whole world of crypto is unregulated right now from a federal perspective. Most of the regulation that's happening is happening at the state level, California, New York, Wyoming. Uh, and so the regulators are trying to figure out what kind of jurisdiction they have. Certainly, if something is clearly a security, it falls within the SEC's jurisdiction. But uh, Bitcoin is probably not a security by that definition. And uh, but there's a lot of discussion going on about regulation. And I think the SEC right now is what I call holding a Bitcoin ETF approval hostage. Mm. Uh, and they're saying they're concerned about manipulation in the underlying spot uh, Bitcoin markets that, you know, the Coinbase markets, if you will, uh, Gemini markets. And uh, so they're they're basically saying, well, I'm not going to approve your little ETF. Uh, until we get clearer jurisdiction over the underlying crypto markets. What does clearer jurisdiction look like? And also, this is sort of the difference, the reason why they're maybe more comfortable with the futures ETF, because it relies on, you know, a government-approved Chicago exchange, right? If they were to approve um, a spot Bitcoin ETF, they'd have to accept a Coinbase or a Gemini or some of these other platforms that, as of now, are less regulated. I mean... Right now, right, crypto is, as I, you know, as we discussed, mainly um, it's like the insurance market. There is no federal uh, regulator that covers insurance companies. They're all regulated at the state level. So Washington hasn't even decided whether crypto should be in, regulated at the federal level. And if so, should it be the SEC, the CFTC or banking regulators? And right now it's just kind of gridlock in D.C., so that's why uh, the prospects for a Bitcoin ETF are really not going very far because it's, there's a lot of uncertainty as to which regulator will be the lead regulator for crypto. 
So are you optimistic then that this is going to happen? Is the SEC and other regulators, are they moving fast enough on this? And what's the downside if we don't get a spot Bitcoin ETF, but other countries, for example, are able to have them? Listen, you, you, you run a tech show, right? Regulators can never stay in touch with the speed of change um, in, in technology. And the U.S. right now mm -hmm. is sort of in the unfriendly camp. When you, we, have a, we have an operation in Europe. We have eight separate ETNs approved in Europe, uh, you know, listed on the major exchanges that invest directly in token. One is Bitcoin. Six other are individual tokens, and then we have a multi-token ETF. So uh, the U.S. is already far behind, uh, and it doesn't look like they're catching up. I mean, there are a lot of people of good faith uh, in Congress um, and the regulators that we're speaking to about stable coins, about our ETF application, mm -hmm. as well as regulators in New York. But the U.S., if you have to you know, score it, we're, we're way behind. We're years behind other countries at this point. Well, if you do have to score it, though, you got to take sort of this whole look, right? And yes, I mean, behind maybe when you compare us to Europe, but what about a China, right, which has clamped down on, on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies as a whole? And I wonder, do you think there are any concerns? Are there reasons that the U.S. should be moving slowly on this? Yes, I run a tech show, but I also cover companies like Facebook and Google and others that have grown really quickly. And you couldn't have foreseen some of, this, some of the consequences that regulators are now trying to scale back. Oh, that is, that's such a softball question. I love this question uh, because the whole- We're not going to have you on again, Jan, if you say I ask softball questions. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> but no, because the, the whole point about the concern about the tech giants is concentration of power, right? Mm -hmm. And the whole point about, uh, about you know, all of crypto is decentralization of yeah. power. It's basically there is no gatekeeper to stop people from- either posting tweets or giving money to GoFundMe sites or having podcasts on Spotify. There's no central authority. So I think that's really the exciting thing. That's mm -hmm. the very disruptive thing yes. um, about crypto that I like to talk about and that I think a lot of people see as well. And you're making that Web3 decentralization argument, which in theory is really great, but that's been picked apart also, um, you even take a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, which is held actually, its holdings are actually quite concentrated. Well, you can, you can, you can criticize a lot of different things about the cryptocurrencies, but the, the, you know, I, I definitely think that Bitcoin itself is very decentralized and it, and it proved that when China stopped the mining and trading of Bitcoin last year, mm -hmm. the network suddenly had, you know, well over a third of its, I call them validators, uh, shut off overnight, and the the network kind of adjusted, and it worked uh, and yeah. continued to work nonstop, 24 hours a day, uh, slightly different speed, but um, you know that it, that you know yeah. it was it was resilient. That's a that's a fair point. Let's talk a little bit about some of the SEC's concerns um, and the reasons that it cited in not approving a spot ETF. One of those cases was stable coins. Um, how do you feel? And does the role of unregulated stable coins in the crypto uh, ecosystem, does that concern you? Um, I actually think that stable coins operate very much like ETFs. And I actually don't understand why the SEC doesn't just say, hey, listen, these are kind of like ETFs. Let's well, bring them into our regulatory framework. And, you know, I, I, I've 
been saying this to them as well. Yeah. And tr and they're okay. The the main thing is that governments are concerned about what stands behind a stable coin. Yeah. If you have a hundred billion dollars in a stable coin, is there anything behind it to protect the holders of that stable coin? The SEC has been doing that with mutual funds and ETFs for decades, right? Since nineteen forty. So I think their regulations are are very well suited. What's What's different is that stable coins are used for transaction purposes, um, and obviously mutual funds are not used for transactions. But that's just a couple of exemptions, I think, in the securities laws, and, and we could have some trial stable coins in the U.S. So you think that stable coins like Tether and Circle should be brought under the same standards as mutual funds? They should have to have regular audits and show what's backing them? Why not? I mean, well, they're, they're they don't want to. I mean, they promised audits for, you know, even the Tether, the Tether executives said that they were going to be presenting an audit. This was, you know, last year. We haven't seen anything. So why are they resisting it so much? Does that, is that cause for concern? If well, they had the backing, why wouldn't they? The offshore, the, the, the offshore stable coins like Tether, all they get is lawsuits and, and uh, you know, and, and attacks from the U.S. government. But the SEC can very well set up in a, you know, a trial regime where people can come in and and you know, register a stable coin. It's pretty easy um, to, to launch an ETF. Uh, you don't need a, a ton of regulatory capital or anything like that. Right. And just see how it goes for a couple of years. So, so why aren't they doing that? I mean, you know, Gary Gensler, Jay Powell has talked about stable coins, a US, a US backed digital currency. What's the holdup there? Do you think when you talk to regulators, what did they say? Well, there's a bit. If, if the the Biden administration had a working group that came out in November yeah. of last year, and it's you know it wasn't very helpful because basically banking regulators want to regulate stable coins, mm -hmm. and then the SEC wants to, so they're fighting at that political level. What I say is, look, if you take a stable coin that's privately issued like Tether, the government is not guaranteeing the assets behind it. They're just supervising it. And frankly, right. you know, with good uh, custody, no mutual fund or ETF has ever really blown up. Okay, so that's point number one. Point number two Still is- early days though. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, but ETFs and mutual funds, that structure is, is a healthy private sector, I'll call it structure. The question is, when you get banking regulators involved, they suddenly want to maybe provide some level of government insurance that's been right. floated. I think that's a kind of super aggressive. Why should this category of funds be protected with government insurance like bank deposits? I think we need to kind of really clearly differentiate the two and have investors understand the, the potential risks that can occur with stable coins and let them take the risks rather than the government. Through right. Insurance. So what you're describing, though, sounds like gridlock and politics. Uh, how optimistic are you then about when that first spot Bitcoin ETF gets approval? Going back to the Bitcoin, I, I, I listen. I actually think there's frustration in Washington. It reached a low in, in December, mm -hmm. to be honest. I've I've been involved in some conversations that I think there might be some kind of progress this year, uh, cooperation between the SEC and Congress, but. Is something going to get approved in an election year? Uh, I think the chances are kind of a long shot there. So I think we might get a framework for progress after an election. That would be the most optimistic scenario. But the SEC has just got to give up its insistence that it's going to get jurisdiction because that's just not really clear that that's going to be the case. And they don't 
regulate or all the underlying markets of everything that goes yeah. into ETFs. Right. Um, so then when you when you look at what also, I just want to get a basic understanding too for our audience. What's the difference between owning a Bitcoin spot ETF versus just owning the underlying asset on one of these exchanges? It's pretty much the same thing, right? It's just the extra fees at the ETF level. Uh, but you can hold a Bitcoin ETF in your brokerage account. You get mm -hmm. better tax reporting, I would argue. Uh, and, and you get the resiliency and supervision of, uh, of the national securities exchanges like NASDAQ or, or, or NYSE. Are the coin, coin bases of the world not trying to do that? They're trying, but you know, they, they go down every once in a while and it's just not the same regulatory uh, certainty. Um, they do provide tax statements you know, yeah. in their defense. So it's, it's, uh, it's not a huge difference. It's really a convenient story is what I would say. Um, Right. Now, in the U.S., you focused on Bitcoin ETFs, um, but in Europe, I know that you guys have one that it's a bucket that holds the largest cryptocurrencies with the greatest liquidity. What has response been like, especially over the last few months where we have seen this big drawdown in crypto? We don't get as much clarity about how ETFs trade in Europe as we do in the United States, but the data I've seen is that it's really on, what's called on-exchange trading or retail investors that are trading our uh, crypto ETNs in Europe, and that includes the, um, the multi-token uh, crypto leaders ETN that we launched last week. It's, uh, it's not institutions that are involved yet. A lot of people talk about institutional investors getting involved in crypto, I think. Mm -hmm. We're re really early days there. Really early days. And so does a spot Bitcoin ETF with sort of the advantages that you outlined, does that move the needle for institutions and thus sort of the whole complex? It helps, but you know, as you saw with the Bitcoin futures ETF, there's a certain pocket of, of money that wants to move into an ETF, but you know, there's, there's a lot hundreds of billions of dollars, you know, yet to, uh, yet to dip mm -hmm. their toe in the water. And Jan, we often ask this of CEOs of, you know, almost anyone that comes on the network that's talking about cryptocurrencies. Do you personally hold some yourself? Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. And, and I think um, because I look at crypto, which is sold off heavily in the markets now as part of a general category of growth investments, you know, these other mm -hmm. tech investments. And I think a lot of them were really overvalued. Um, what we've been doing corporately is trying to invest in the early stage uh, venture capital funds. That's still where there's, you know, relative, relative value. Um, you know, there's, there wasn't a lot of relative value in growth investments right. generally um, at the end of last year, but things are getting cheaper now. Yeah, they certainly are. Um, are you primarily Bitcoin or are you interested in some of the others? Um, I personally, about a week ago, started buying some more Bitcoin uh, when it was in the 30s. I think uh, Bitcoin is going much higher, but I think it's maturing. So I think its corrections are in the 50% uh, neighborhood, not 90%, which, mm. they, which they used to be. Um, so comfortable buying a little bit more here. And then, um, you know, actually the private crypto markets have not corrected that much. It's really mm. the public markets. That where the real damage has been done. So that's where I did a little bit more buying as well, per personally. And, and Ethereum too, you like? Uh, Ethereum is part of that for sure. Okay. Uh, we, we love the smart contract leaders. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, well, Jan, it, it's been fascinating to get your take. We'll be watching really closely um, and tracking this approval. Do you think Grayscale has any better of a chance than you guys or anyone else? I, I think we're all in the same boat. Yeah. Is it important to be first? 
Well, if, if so, they're going to be first. I mean, if they're going to be treated like all the other ETF sponsors, it's hard to compete with a $27 billion uh, fund. Right. Um, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, Jan, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.